1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of The Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambre, and I'm joined by my brother, my partner, no longer in L.A. He's back working for the man at U-Dub. <laughs> Danny Bestner, what's going on, brother? Hey, Waz, thanks so much for having me. Uh, glad to be back. Hey, I
2: was, yes. I was, I was, I was noticing something today. I was, I was thinking about it. I think I've been on Woke Bros. Nine or 10 times. I haven't yet been on the NBA pod, Well, why not? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm not the guest booker on group chat. and oh, weekends with wait, booking. Okay. Yeah. 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 Weekends with was is no more, but you know what? Next time I have guest booking authority, I will come <laughs> get you for your Charles Oakley takes. I, for... dude, we can talk about the 94 Knicks. I, I could
2: talk about it for at least five or six minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it. Hey, listen man. I wish that you know I had you on under um, better circumstances. but obviously yeah. this past weekend the the freaking violence erupted in um, Palestine and Israel. Uh, of course, as we speak, um, the Israeli army is bombing the living daylights out of Gaza. Of course on Saturday, Hamas, whatever y'all want to call them terrorists. Resistance, liberation front, whatever. I mean, like the distinction sort of doesn't matter for the purposes of what this conflict is about. Um, they they swarmed into Israel by land, by sea, by air on hand glides. Yeah, that Which was is the craziest yeah. the, the, the craziest part to me. Yeah, and yeah, they killed bad. a bu- they killed hundreds of people, they took a bunch of hostages. Um, obviously, this illicit. Elicited um, a very strong response from an Israeli regime that's used to sort of fucking these people up anyway. Um, yeah, and we so, can talk
2: about specifically like the the, situ- the the sort of situation.
1: We'll get it. We'll get into that because I wanted today to act as sort of a primer, right? Um, yeah. The on Israel and Palestine because. I watch a lot of news events. I read a lot of the accounts coming out of the mainstream media. Um, Of course, there's people on Twitter fighting back and forth. But I feel like they just throw around these terms um, and talk about the conditions on the ground as if everybody who is um, consuming the news knows exactly what they mean, exactly what those conditions mean. And so, obviously, Danny being the Ph.D. scholar (laughs) that he is, on history specifically with this um conflict uh danny being somebody who obviously is jewish american himself but also gave it away (laughs) (laughs) we won't we're not getting canceled this episode danny um but also like you're somebody who went to jewish primary school right um you're somebody who did have you done the birthright trip i I did birthright but i went on a Different type of but type similar. of trip, similar my, trip to Israel. Price. I
2: haven't been in, in twenty years, over twenty years, but I, I have. So
1: you're here. very familiar with the orthodoxy, the sort of Zion Zionism doctrine, if you will, if they if yes. there
2: were such a thing. Like you're yeah, it's, it's a nationalist that. ideology. There are different um, strands of it, uh, but yeah, there, it's certainly a nationalist ideology. There's a, a labor Zionist strand which isn't very powerful. There's a religious zionist strand there's a more ethno-national zionist strand so just like there are different versions of americanism the american ideology right. there are different versions of, of zionism um and just from a technical stance it's absolutely true and it's an ideology
1: so as it stands right now what's your understanding of what's happening on the ground so uh should i give like a little bit of a larger context yeah, go ahead. do you Yeah. So, so
2: basically israel has occupied this place on its west basically in its west half like if you if you look at israel on a map there's a small part in its west western border really southwestern border slightly um called the gaza strip um and israel has been basically in control of the gaza strip since the 1967 arab israeli war um and over the decades um the situation in gaza for a variety of reasons has gotten worse and worse and worse. It's oftentimes referred to as the world's largest open-air prison, so that might give a sense of the conditions. Um, so just basically the, the, the most important sort of political faction or, or group um, is Hamas. And as was said, uh, Hamas recently, last week, broke out of Gaza and did exactly what Waz said. Um, This is a big deal in Israel. Just to give some very specific um, political uh, context, one of the Netanyahu's government, and Bibi Netanyahu is, of course, the prime minister of Israel, and he was ruling the government, Um, one of his main things was to actually de-emphasize the importance of Gaza. And emphasize instead the importance of the West Bank, which is on Israel's east side, east border, uh, and which is a larger, much more developed, um, more stable territory than Gaza. So Netanyahu focused more on settlements um, in Gaza, uh, annexations—sorry, settlements in the West Bank, annexations in the West Bank—to the detriment of Gaza. So one of the one of the things that seems to have happened is that the Netanyahu administration's focus on the West Bank created an opportunity for Hamas to break out of Gaza and uh, do what the, what the group did, you know, murder civilians and 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 take military targets as well um, in the, uh, last Saturday, like was said. Um, so this uh, so just one more quick thing um, after the attacks, the question was how Israel would respond. So domestically, if you can imagine, Netanyahu is quite weak. Um, there for people who might not know there has been a lot of opposition against him in recent months from the more liberal part of the Israeli um, populace because his administration was facilitating or allowing what has some have referred to as a judicial coup um, so there are a lot of protests against Netanyahu uh, and um, this, further breakout of Gaza really weakens him. So domestically, Netanyahu is feeling weak. There's a rally around the flag phenomenon that is just like in the U.S. after 9-11. Israelis are you know, feeling securitized and afraid for understandable reasons. Um, and so you have a weak domestic government or, or a worried domestic government. Netanyahu is also facing corruption car- charges and all these other things. More, Meanwhile, internationally, after the attack... Basically, every major country in the world, or certainly every major country that matters in this context, made clear that Israel could kind of do what it wants. So you have an international environment that's permissive to what Israel might mm-hmm. want to do, which is probably not going to last forever. It's a short moment. Uh, and then you have a domestically weak Benjamin Netanyahu, someone who's afraid, who really is strategy. So well.
1: he has to project some level of strength this by is the killing as many Palestinians as so this is
2: This is the worry, right? That that
1: international
2: permissiveness plus domestic weakness would engender a particularly um uh, like, um, strong response, uh, which it seems like it's, it it might happen. There have been airstrikes now for days. uh, And you can see images of those online. And and it also appears like there might be a ground invasion and, uh, you know, boots on the ground occupation, which could be a very serious escalation.
1: Okay. So I'm going to ask you, (laughs) I'm going to be annoying this episode, Danny. I'm going to be that person at the party who finds out what it is that you do for a living and start peppering you with these fast, not even fast out, but you know, these sort of simplistic questions. So as best as you can say, what's the fight about? Um, Well, the fight is about access. You
2: know, we're Marxists here. It's about access to land and material resources. Mm. Uh, And not to go into the whole history, but um, uh, uh, groups that were at one point maybe not totally, but like maybe more equally situated in the 1930s and 1940s in an ethno-national conflict over land, one side, the Israelis, has decidedly won. Uh, And the other side, the Palestinians, I would say, has really lost at least until this point and have suffered under decades of occupation. Um, So it's really about the character of a nation state fundamentally. What type of state will Israel be? And Israel is a uh, a state organized around ethno-nationalist ideas. They have laws that are explicitly linked to the only way to really put it is Race slash religion slash ethnicity. In that there's something called the right of return, and if you meet certain rubrics of, of descent, you could return to Israel and become a full citizen. You could go
1: to Israel if you wanted to, Danny.
2: I could go to Israel and become a citizen, even though my understanding is that Israel has prevented some Jews in the past from becoming citizens. Famously, Meyer Lansky, I believe, wow, was, was not he was seeking
1: asylum in Israel, and yeah. they told him to kick rocks.
2: Yeah, I, I, there is. Uh, I think he was one of the only people denied citizenship in Israel. Uh, And I also believe in more recently, there have been critics that have been denied. But anyway, whatever it's, it's, there are rules organized around that. Whereas if you were a Palestinian and kicked out in 1948 or who fled in 1948, uh, you would not have access to, you know, your family's land. Now, Jews... Uh, would sometimes reply, well, I don't have access to my family's land in Germany, and and that's the edge of history, you know, but these are the what the fights ultimately about, you know, and and, formation of a nation state and what that nation state means.
1: So and because I think that point about this, like, ethno nation state based on religion, ethnicity, race, whatever you want to call it is important, because some people might say, and again, this is these are things that you might hear at a party. They might be like, look, um, the U.S. did the same shit to the fucking Native Americans. We pummeled them, but we didn't like, you know, we didn't. Pulverized them into the the uh, the U.S. equivalent of the Gaza Strip. We just, you know, we've completely cooked them, and we just let them be U.S. citizens. They, you know, they they did like we gave them some casinos. You know, well, they, we I mean, we, 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 did,
2: some- I mean too, we really did eradicate. I mean, in a real way, like
0: yes, there, there were. There were. An and, which is the difference, right?
2: Right. And so I think what you'll often hear is like, well, the every country does this, right? Mm-hmm. Every every country that's based on settlements. Um, and colonization, like the United States was, like Brazil was, like, like Australia was, Australia was, Mexico, I mean, like, actually, there's a unique history. But there are settlement colonies that do participate in indigenous genocide and eradication. And people will say, um, why are people criticizing Israel when these other countries have, you know, they would say even worse pests. And the question that what I would give to that is that, you know, um, you shouldn't let the problems and crimes of the past you know prevents from those that are undergoing uh, uh that that are happening in your own time um, that moral norms have changed and that um I mean I'm an American the United States implicitly supports the policy by really providing Israel with a lot of
1: Well no but what I'm trying to say Danny is why can't you know in some sort of peace accord right just imagine it just humor me here uh why can't we just uh sort of bring the Palestinians into it might have the State. it might've been possible oh, two reasons
2: it might've been possible 30 years ago but i think conditions have changed and israel's become so much more powerful relatively speaking that it, it, they don't need to 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 make those sorts of agreements um and um two the, there's a fear that uh israel's character as a jewish state won't be preserved
1: if there's a that's lot of, that and that's what i was kind of getting at it's yeah. like idea if we do form a nationhood in this place it is a Jewish um, state you know that is and, that and is exactly and we yeah. bring all these Arabs into the nation then the entire point of Zionism which is a state that is Jewish is it, that becomes moot like, what's right, the point which of emerges
2: that? and I think this is really crucial in order to understand the Israeli perspective which emerges from the traumas of European anti-semitism that culminate yep. in the Holocaust I yep. mean the Holocaust is still in living memory so there there are a lot of people um who believe that and one hears this growing up as a Jew that there's a safe haven that that you you know you can't you can't know that there won't be another Holocaust and I think it's important to understand like the sheer trauma of the Holocaust to the last three or so generations of Jews um I think the number is Is one in three jews were killed you know like on the world stage um i I hope i get these numbers right i used to know exact two-thirds of european jewry you know like the european jewish population was eradicated and israel's response and israelis many would admit this to that sort of genocide right so this is sort of the mindset this post-traumatic mindset of a state formed within living memory of a genuinely eradicationist project, you know, with many people have direct family connections to people murdered, and even I do, you know, and so it's just like a very common thing, and so I think this is what's undergirding a lot of the Israeli policy and American support for it in particular. Now, to me, I would say that You know, we have to (laughs) that 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 sort of emotional reaction to a genuine trauma shouldn't necessarily guide policy now and forever. And that there are other considerations to be had when discussing this.
1: So because I listen to your show a lot, Danny, um, shouts to the fellow prestige heads, go make sure you subscribe and become a Patreon of American prestige. Um, Substack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, excuse me, Substack. Sorry, (laughs) sorry, sorry, Substack. I get my subscription service. Now that you're big time, you don't care anymore.
3: Well,
2: I mean, you know, regulars have to worry about that.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, we'll see. Um, I I feel like that's a that's an animating part of the sort of posture that Israel State takes, right? It's like, um, no, we can't have some half Arab state. When um you know, in the past it's been state policies in places like Germany to eradicate us, in places like Russia to completely subjugate and um fucking oppress us, in places like the United States to not accept people trying to flee the fucking Holocaust. That's part of this story. And it's like that close enough that it still has emotional resonance in a hundred right. years, it probably
2: won't be. You know, but Mm. like people my grandparents' age were in Auschwitz. Still, generationally, kind of close. Like my child, like he will feel less close, and his my grandchildren, it'll be more like in memory. So, to some degree, this is fading as time goes on. But it's still something like Netanyahu, who's what seventy. I mean, it's a living memory. You know, that undergirds a lot. Not to excuse by any stretch, but I just trying to explain. sort of mindset
1: sure so i want to get to the sort of palestinian mindset um in all of this uh can you explain to people what it means for israel to be annexing and settling quote unquote i feel like that word is so like it's it's um, literally what it sounds like it's you go in and you
2: take land and you live on land And that over time, that land becomes part of the larger state. Like, again, has occurred throughout settler colonial history from the United States to Australia to, again, um, Brazil, is that it's a policy of colonization. What's what's strange or what appears strange about it, and that makes it difficult to understand, is that this is really hundreds of years after the moment when colonization happened. And it's after... sort of the decolonizing revolutions of the 1950s and 60s and 70s right. that occurred in the Middle East and Africa in particular and and the A- East Asia and Asia So it, it it's an, it's an atavism. You know, in a sense that there's still this like in progress colonial project. It's project happening, yeah, and it, it's exactly what it sounds like. I mean, the, the Gaza was really shut off. You know, Israel was in total.
1: Control. But but no, I wanna. I I just wanted like so because again, like I feel like people don't they hear like oh, there are these settlers, right? Uh, um, you gotta understand, especially like because you know, Danny, you're so far removed from whatever history you got in high school and elementary school, but the term settler is not a pejorative in our teaching of it to Americans, right? right. It's It's, completely not. It's like this innocuous, like, no, these people, they came and grew like grapes and shit. And, and just, you know, they, they were herding cattle and they, you know, they made these little straw cribs and it was just great. But like, can you like, who is a modal Israeli settler in the, in the West bank what does it look like when you come? Then you take something. Who are you taking it from, if anybody? How do you keep your shit after doing that? What does right. that look like?
2: Right. I mean, it it comes in and oftentimes involves displacing populations that were already there. And that could come through intimidation. It could come through the use of the official um, state. Um, it could just be land that hasn't been. Um, exploited to a particular degree. And then um, you go in and, you know, you have, military support oftentimes and you literally start economically developing the land um and over time there's more and there's more and there's more and the uh the 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 idea i the idea i think in israel you know from like a far-right government like netanyahu's was that israel would annex much of the territory that it was able to maybe not all of it but a significant degree um there they would be relative control of the west bank Um, gaza would be an afterthought and um that would be it. Um and so, so
1: yeah, you, you hear this a lot in the news. There's this idea that a lot of the military might was deployed to the West Bank in order to secure these settlements, these essentially these new developments in order to make it like to add to the area that is to add its territory.
2: And I think yeah. it's important. I mean, it's hard to, to Get into, but this has to do with like the particular t- domestic political coalition that supports Netanyahu, which has mm-hmm. become more and more right wing and more and more in hock to the settlement movement, which wasn't always mm. the history of Israel supported like like it has. So again, this what, is, but like, why right-wing. is it?
1: What, what is the justification for? Why is it important that they settle more of the West Bank?
3: Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer, and I'm here to talk to you about Butcher Box.
2: There's religious justification. Gotcha. Um, there's uh that that you know this is the land of the Jews and, and they should take it back. Um there's always security justification, you know, mm. the stronger your border is. Um, and you know, there there's trauma from uh war and there's developmental, um, you know, basically the, the, the typical justifications for colonization. Um and uh it's just strange because again, this happened so much longer ago here. You know, I'm in Seattle right now. That's
1: about five hundred years ago. Yeah, it's like a really long time. Um, Yeah. So Um, okay, so if if you're a Palestinian person living in the West Bank you see, you just constantly see this happening. Essentially they're, they're coming in, they're bullying the fuck out of people who have lived there for actual, literally centuries. <laughs> like this yeah. is not like, it's not like me and my, my Haitian immigrant parents just pulled up to Brooklyn and you know, might've bought a crib or whatever. Like, no, these, these families have lived there for actual, literally centuries. Um, and it's backed by the Israeli regime and they just kicked these people off with the, and. It doesn't take a genius or a scientist to understand what's happening. It's like no, we're we're slowly but surely pushing you the fuck out of here
2: and, until you're
1: all gone. It's it's like a it's it's been a real
2: problem for international politics because a lot of the surrounding governments don't want to get involved because Israel has just become so allied with the United States and has become such a de facto part of the you know larger American imperium that it's very difficult to challenge them you know yeah. in, in the way like happened in, in the sixty-seven and seventy-three and frankly the Arab governments don't want to challenge them. Um, they, they, there's there's <laughs> from my understanding there's no real like outreach to the Palestinian people in a real way. There's domestic issues related to Palestinian refugees in places like Egypt and Jordan, so it's a population that has that has to a large degree been abandoned by the world, um, and it, it's really a terrible tragedy to to, to witness. Um, it's uh, it, it's I mean there's just nothing to say to you know, to give a real sense of of, of sort of the, the the traumas and the degradations experienced by colonized peoples.
1: Okay, so another thing I wanted to get into as best as you can describe to folks what is the what are the facts on the ground in Gaza today? Like what is the life of a Palestinian person living what's their daily life like? You hear this stuff about four hours of electricity, yeah. um, you know, I mean, constant think, raids and blah blah blah. Like what what does that look like for the different. average Gazan?
2: Yeah, I think it's 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 similar to a displaced person's camp. Uh, And it's similar to kind of like a prison camp where there's mm. ebbs and flows of violence and fear uh it, it's it's it, the, the the issue i think is is that something could happen at every time at any time gotcha. you, you 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 hear about people uh in waziristan where the united states did all of its drone strikes like they don't like open skies right there's a notion that there's not in control and you don't understand the logic for things um and it's just a people could go to you, you know look at you, you human rights watch to get a, um, exact, you know, breakdown of, of how it is, but it's, it's a terrible living conditions. Um, and it's really tragic and sad
1: and <laughs> yeah. it's every single day. Right. And so it's every single
2: day. It's, it's like being in a displaced persons camp, you know,
1: with no hope of anything ever getting better. And your Any, understanding- very young population,
2: um, very little hope, um, I mean, because I think it, it's difficult to say that the, the the movement didn't lose. You know, maybe maybe there's something that could happen. You could get something like a Good Friday Agreement, but it doesn't look good. Um, so there, there's lack of a hope in the future. There's a hopelessness. Um, there's bad living conditions. It's uh, it's a it's just very tragic and sad.
1: And who who are Hamas? Because I've seen this freaking. <laughs> These guys have been in the news more than anything that I've ever seen in my life, right? And it's uh, they're if- the arms
2: slash political grouping of a particular
1: faction of. Do they of- have a political constituency, Danny? Are they sort of doing their own thing? Are they supported by the people? Like, I think folks need to understand this.
2: It's 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 difficult to to to, to oops.
1: <laughs> Sorry, it's it's difficult.
2: Uh, I don't. I am not enough of an expert to gotcha. say to what degree. But what do they purport themselves to be then? I mean, they're representatives of the Palestinian nationalist movement, and I, I, mm. I'm certain that there are elements of the Palestinian population that support them, just like like any, anything any, else. You know, right? Yeah, um, uh, absolutely. Um, you would have to get details on the ground about how people which i don't just don't have access to or know how people like does hamas participate in like local health organizations you know mm-hmm. you look at like the traditional muslim brotherhood one of the reasons that they were able to succeed throughout the arab world was because they basically functioned as a social service organization gotcha. so i don't know enough about like the deep i mean like i i mean i i would i would venture to say um that there's not uh a lot of support for actions that might be viewed as effectively suicidal but
1: i don't know Um, yeah because because the you know the the sort of way this gets framed from you like it's so funny um (laughs) and this is this is a silly example but like i remember when biden got elected and like because there's a lot of um black professional women within my social orbit, like, the amount of yass queens I saw on social, I was just like, man, like, I really do know, like, a lot of black yuppies who are, like, really excited about this Kamala Harris thing. Like, it was, it's one of those things, like, you spend no time ever thinking about Kamala Harris or people who would ever give a fuck about her. And then all of a sudden, they... The election happens and it's like, oh, shit, like I do. She does have somewhat of a constituency amongst, you know, a sort of quasi elite group of black yeah, people. Everyone right? has
2: Yeah, I I mean, everyone, (laughs) groups oftentimes have some sort of constituency. I mean, I I doubt Hamas would have been able to pull off something like this without a real – Without much of a constituency. Uh, um... It's it's an incredible humiliation to the military. Something I should have said also earlier is that it really is a humiliation because Israel prides itself on its security structures and its powerful Mm. military. And it's had that reputation. You know, It's been attacked so many times and it was able to succeed. And there were true like brilliant strategic military victories. Like there was a tank battle in the Golan Heights. It's, like, very famous. And so there's, like, Mm -hmm. this pride in in militarization, particularly, again, after the Holocaust, (laughs) you know, uh, know, where there's all this, like, masculine ideals being set out that Jews aren't always going to be slow, blah, blah, blah. So it's a a humiliation on a number of levels. So um, I think that also is going to engender an even harsher response than might have otherwise occurred in a different nation.
1: So, again, I want to – I just want to pivot to people so so that people can get a better – understanding it's just like the shit that you see like don't even like don't even bother turning on cnn or MSNBC, yeah or any I of know. that shit like much less the 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 new york times right um what i would say is that there's this framing of this being israel's 9-11 right and all my jewish people that i follow on on Instagram and stuff like that. They're like, man, like we don't decapitate babies and blah, 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 blah. And, and this being in 9-11 and, and all of that stuff, which, you know, I don't even, uh, I wouldn't even dispute, right? Um, As somebody who like, I don't have any skin in the game. Like it's not really something that well, I, I think, wake up every single day thinking this about. Is, this is what I would say
2: is that like this, it, 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 you know, like as a Jew, it's like images of Jews being slaughtered. Yes. in living memory of the Holocaust right. is going to engender a particular emotional gotcha. response in the population. That's how I read it. You know, it's like this, it's not epigenetic in the sense that it's in the, in the genes, but it's like very, the Holocaust is very much tied to modern Jewish identity. You know, like, mm-hmm. what, like, uh, when I went on a trip, I went to Auschwitz, then Israel, you know, that's a particular, that's, and that's the message like that. Yeah. You're not, the it's not, yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. That, right. Yeah, I think explains comments like that. That's what I think it explains. Like the the, the emotional horror, um, which is, I mean, obviously the death of civilians is horrible in any instance. You know, we would say that about the death of Palestinian civilians is absolutely terrible. The death of Israeli civilians is absolutely terrible. I mean, I was. Well, I think I told you one of my former students was killed. This guy Chaim Katz. Wow and he was a he was a great guy he was doing peace work on the gaza border and he was murdered in the first stage of the of the gaza attack and that's a terrible tragedy you know as a progressive leftist humanist um and that's what i think
1: engenders
2: this sort of
1: anger and so so i think about it, it um 9/11 parallels in a sort of different way um Spencer Ackerman, um, who you guys have had on your show. I'm a subscriber to his newsletter, Forever Wars, which, by the way, I'll tell anybody, if you want to be kept abreast he's on foreign affairs, all you need is Spencer and American prestige. I, pr- I swear to fucking God. He's a, a Brooklyn guy, too. Wow. Yeah. I, I, he, I, he, I, I, I like know he lived Flatbush. in Brooklyn. I thought he was a Brooklyn hipster, though.
2: No, no, no. I think he, I think he like grew up in Flatbush. I think he might have. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's like real. He's like really from so, Brooklyn.
1: So he wrote a piece in the Nation um, about 20 years since 9/11. Essentially, uh, he went and visited the 9/11 museum, and he was like, "This shit is such a waste of time, and like such a tragedy in the way that we tell this story, because it's such hogwash." Right. You know, this idea that these these crazy Muslim extremists just they just dropped from the moon, Danny. They just dropped from the moon, hating America, yeah, right? And this, totally this idea it. of an unprovoked attack on the U.S. land and this this death of innocence and none of these people deserve this and blah, 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 blah. And the point that Spencer was ultimately trying to make, he's like, of course, the people in the buildings in the Twin Towers did not provoke an attack. Of course, all of those people who died, died senselessly. Of course they were innocent, but to characterize it, that attack as an attack that was quote unquote, unprovoked, that doesn't address the actions of U S empire the abroad, church, quote right. unquote, in our Capitalism. name is crazy. Yeah. Like,
2: like this is why I think this is what sort of Mark brings is that you look at the structures. You don't look at like the moral play of the individual actors. Like, for 9 11 you could see how empire and colonization and capitalism led to a particular concatenation of factors that led the child of a saudi dynasty to become one of the largest um you know uh funders of islamic jihad throughout the world right there's a context that engenders these things um, just like in in the Palestine israel conflict the context of settler colonialism the context of Sorry. being part of the american empire shapes everything that happens um it's just that's not the way it's, it's almost not the way like liberalism functions not to get too abstract like no but mar- do, please do like, like liberals and liberalism focuses on like individual acts, right? It centers mm. the individual. If you're more of a left winger, you really center the structure that it creates a
1: series I of mean, incentives. Danny, just think about it. Just think about the crazy shit these guys did, these Hamas homies did, knowing full well what was going to come behind it. Well, that's what's so strange about it. That's what I asked Rashid Khalidi. I don't see the
2: strategic goal, but maybe they're just so desperate. That, that it was like a, it was just like a fuck you you know that, that Amen. even if they knew that it was going to get it's basically a suicidal act and that's why i imagine there I, I i don't know how like hamas is going to fare after this because it's like such a, a a provocation that the 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 outcome is so predictable
1: yeah and so again like people are going to be like oh you you're blaming israel for what happened i'm like bro like good look no sane person can say that the people who died this past weekend and the the days um um after are people who provoked hamas that's absurd of course they themselves did not individually did not pro- provoke this attack that's that Everybody knows that, right. but again, collective you're just punishment this- is against international law as well, right? Collective
2: punishment is something that all people Speak should about it. of every for anyone that you're punishing a population for the actions of a group or a series of individuals. It is against international law and it should, it's, it's a terrible morally. You shouldn't do that ever. <laughs> you know, you could be against that against in any population in the world. You should be against collective punishment, which is, you know, one of what the Israel is doing it. right now. Yeah, and and, and about and about firebombing and and airstrikes in general. I mean, it makes you think of the atomic bomb. It makes you think of you know the burning of Tokyo and the destruction of of Germany. Like like <laughs> this gets into the the problem of air war <laughs> itself, which is by d- definition a form of collective warfare, a uh, collective punishment. And I wish we could even talk about whether any. Thing like that should ever be any used. airstrike should any ever airstrike be is collective punishment. And, and and just one thing I want to make sure: if you ever hear that it's like, um, like really targeted and really well, that's just not true.
1: Nothing of is. Course, no come on, man. Like yeah. And 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 that's what I would. That's what I would say. Because a lot of this stuff is about you know decapitation of babies. Uh, of course, this is heinous. If like if this actually happened, if this yeah, actually happened it's right. on, that's it's, absolutely it's, inhuman. This isn't even. No, nobody would argue that that shit was okay. But what I would posit to those people, I'm like, would you have rather that Hamas had U.S. airplanes to bomb Israeli babies with? Well, is that somehow is a more, more honorable death? for those babies is it more just when it's done that way i think it gets into you could just see that we
2: talk about this conflict like it's two equal states and it's just basically it's one just extremely not... powerful state and 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 a and a society of people that are incredibly disorganized um and you could see it with the destruction of gaza going out right now with very sophisticated if not you know accurate rep- weaponry that the issue i think is is even if israel followed every international law and, and every guideline to a t um this type of warfare is going to kill innocents and and we should just be against that in principle
1: 100% um and i want to get to you about some you know talking points that people might encounter while they're trying to follow <laughs> this news story right i think obviously there's just going to be a much you know, bigger fervor to try to understand what's happening over there. Just now I'm sitting next to my lady and she's watching a video on social and some fucking British guy is like, essentially there's no such thing as a Palestinian people. Um, uh, like they they, they they, were never the sovereign of this land. They never had control of this land. There was, there's no such thing. There never was a Palestine. What would you say to something like that, Danny?
2: all nationalisms are constructed. I mean, I would really point people, we, we, we made this, um, long series on the history of Palestine with Rashid so Khalid. Please go uh, listen li- to go this. Go listen to it, because, I mean, all nationalisms and identities are constructed, so it's such a silly thing to even say. There's no, like, real Americanness. There's no real anything. These are all constructed over time in historical context, and the Palestinian national identity is as legitimate as any other form of national identity, is what I would say, and to claim otherwise is very strange, ahistorical, and theoretical. I mean, you know for us, the goal should be to get by past all nationalisms. Um, but you know, we should we could still recognize if we're still living in the world, man. I, it's, it's tough,
1: Danny. I think about that all the time. Well, that's um, the goal, though, right? Like, and we shouldn't forget that, like, it should oh, be. But yeah. yo, nationalism is such an animating force, and in, in the sense that, like, it gets people to roll in the same direction. It's yeah, so it's fucking powerful. powerful Destroying the left, dude. Like the fucking
2: nationalism is why the countries fought each other in World War One. Why the working classes fought each other and didn't unite. Nationalism is the most powerful ideology of the last five hundred years. It's not even close.
1: It's not no, even close. Not even close. <laughs> and so I want to get you out of here. I don't want to take too much of your time, Danny. Um, there's no way to. F- solve this. Um the Palestinians are pretty du- They're not going to leave. Um, they're not going to move. Yeah. Uh the only way to end this literally would be to kill them. Would be to or make Holocaust. Them the citizens of, of, of Israel. Right?
2: Right. That's that's it seems like the only two options. Right. Because I think what what the Israeli government had hoped was that they could kind of just not address it. That, that there would be a rump Palestinian group in Gaza and an increasingly rump one in the West Bank, and they would kind of just always be there, you know, kind of like how racism always kind of exists in the United States. Right. They would kind of just always be there. And the, the shock of one of the reasons that this was just such a big shock is that it showed that you can't demonstrate, sorry, you, you that, that you can't just ignore it. So it's, it's going to force a reckoning for Israel uh, for the and the United States that supports Israel, is that what are you going to do in in this situation? And I, I would urge people in, in the United States listening to this, they have any interest to tell their political representatives that one shouldn't support collective punishment of a people, ever.
1: Man, there's uh, really nothing much else to say. Danny, thank you so much for your time today, man. This this That's brother it. is a scholar. This is it, like <laughs> literally a historian, a you a doctor. Uh, a, a doctor. Do- I, I've never called you Doctor Danny Bessner before. Dr. I need Danny to start Bessner. calling you Doc.
2: Yeah, when I, I, mean- I when I reply to like wedding invites, I always write Doctor. And when <laughs> I when I book planes, when I book planes, that's the only time I ever use it.
1: <laughs> I love it, man. American Prestige, obviously, easily one of my favorite podcasts. Again, um, I cannot implore you guys enough. Go listen to. Um, your uh, Danny's uh, discussion—it's oh, a d- discussion series on the history of Palestine. It is excellent. It's essential to understanding the conflict. It's essential to understanding that ultimately, again, it's just another capitalistic, colonialistic um, project on these people. Nationalism. I think this one really underlines nationalism. Nationalism. It's. it's I feel
2: like in. You know, there was a lot of it after 9-11, but America, it goes in and out, right? We're in a moment
1: yeah. where it's not in. We don't really give a fuck about American nationalism right now, yeah, Right we now, do Dude, remember fucking
2: Freedom Prize?
1: Uh, oh my god, we were, it was like nuts. After yeah. It was
2: crazy. People would yeah. get, like, I remember I was reading, people would get attacked for not wearing the American flag, you know? Yeah, so, like, sure. it's not like that. But, but I think this highlights, you know, the, the
1: <laughs> many problems of nationalism in the world. All right, we will see you guys next week. Peace out.